Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, you can download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go check it out on the Odyssey app. It is Mark Randy. It is Evan Giddings. We got some quarterback comments that were made earlier this week. We got some quarterback comments that were made just after we finished recording our episode from last week. But, of course, we're coming at you twice a week here in the offseason. We also have some comments from the GM, John Lynch himself, referring to the NFL draft. But before we get into all of that, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Evan. Yeah, you know, uh, we've had some gloomy weather in San Francisco in the 415 recently. A little bit of rain the last couple of days. Supposed to get warm again. I'm looking forward to that as we're now into May, getting towards uh, summer. Uh, I'm looking forward to that and, and the warm weather. And then, of course, we got football. Because you, you see players out there practicing and OTAs and all that. So I'm looking forward to the warm weather. I'm looking forward to summer. That leads into the fall. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, overall, I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Nothing to complain about. I'm looking forward later on in the week to the official schedule being released. And so for those yeah. of you wondering about that, we're going to be recording after the schedule is released so we can break it all down for you. So expect an episode on Friday instead of the usual Tuesday, Thursday schedule. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to getting into... Some comments from earlier today as we're recording this on Monday, because on ESPN's uh, Get Up, and I believe also on NFL Live, Dan Orlovsky, well-known media, a very smart, very intelligent former quarterback in the NFL, had a couple of interesting comments specific to Sam Darnold, and essentially mentioned the fact that Sam Darnold is capable, quote, of taking this team back to the NFC Championship game, referring to the 49ers. He's excited to watch him if he's the guy in San Francisco with Brock Purdy being a little banged up right now. So, of course, this is all contingent upon Brock Purdy not being available or earlier in the season. Uh, but I don't know if this necessarily came out of nowhere. I know there's some comments from last week that that we'll get into a little bit later on, Mark. But were you surprised to hear Dan Orlovsky on ESPN earlier on Monday refer to Sam Darnold as not only just a potential QB1, but a guy that can get them back to where they were last year in the final four. So, okay. I think in a vacuum, this comment doesn't really mean all that much. Him saying, you know, Sam Darnold can lead the 49ers back to the NFC championship game. You know, I mean, maybe I'm just playing semantics, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he thinks Sam Darnold is going to be the team starter or is going to eventually become the starter or is going to prove himself 
better than Brock Purdy or better than Trey Lance or whatever. Uh, just at its base value, it means that Dan Orlovsky thinks Sam Darnold is good enough to help get the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. I do take a little bit of offense is the wrong word. I don't agree with him uh, using the word lead. Um, and it's something we talked about a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo in his career with the 49ers. The conversation is always, have the 49ers won because of Jimmy Garoppolo, or do they win in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo, or do they win with Jimmy Garoppolo, but not necessarily because of Jimmy Garoppolo? Like this 49er roster, Evan, is so dang good that there are an, uh, at least a handful, more than a handful, they're double-digit quarterbacks in this league that could lead the 49ers to the NFC Championship game. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Like They have a very complete roster. Is Sam Donald one of those guys? I don't know. Maybe if things break the right way, then then sure. I, I guess I could maybe see that happening. But where I disagree strongly, Sam Donald ain't leading you to anything. Uh, like He's not going to be the reason why you're winning playoff games unless you just see a complete career renaissance and he looks nothing like he has been uh, throughout the rest of his career. So long story short, I don't think it means all that much. It doesn't mean that you know, Dan Orlovsky thinks Sam Darnold is the Niners' best quarterback on the roster. I think it's more so a comment about the status of the 49ers roster, uh, which boasts so many star players on both sides of the football, that even someone of Sam Darnold's caliber who hasn't really achieved that much in this league has a pretty decent chance to win a playoff game or two. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think it is in reverence to the coaching staff as well as the mm -hmm. roster itself. I think Kyle Shanahan has gained and already had a lot of respect in the league, but even more so with what he was able to accomplish with the quarterback room and revolving door that he had last year. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe Dan Orlovsky thinks that he could lead the 49ers to an NFC title game, the way that this team is shaped, how good the defense is, how good the weapons are. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, and before we get into the Trey Lance component of this, because I have not heard many comments along these lines from national, local uh, media members, folks who follow the 49ers. Before we get into that, is this disrespectful to Brock Purdy? Because if you're saying, and I, I, I understand where Kyle Shanahan, look, you're not going to bring in a quarterback that you wouldn't think that could, especially yeah. with the way that last year played out. You're not going to bring in a guy that couldn't potentially step in and help this team get to where it was last year. But what Brock Purdy did was historic. I understand he's Mr. Irrelevant and all the rest. But once he was thrust into relevancy, he was pretty dominant under center. So Dan Orlovsky, when I hear these comments, I'm just, I'm thinking, okay, well, is Sam Darnold just as good as Brock Purdy then? Because Brock Purdy played at a level that no rookie, that no person in his position has ever played at before. Yeah. To me, comes off as a little disrespectful to the guy that he would be taking the job from due to injury. I think I think you're onto something there. I think what what happened when Brock Purdy had all that success and, you know, didn't lose a regular season start and won his first two postseason starts. I think what happened is you, it kind of opened the door for everyone, for media members, for fans, hell, even maybe for players as well, to believe, well, this guy did it 
anyone can do it. Like, and, and I know it's maybe a little bit different for you and I, for, you know, other media members here in the Bay area for Niner fans who watch every waking second of this team and are consumed 24 seven by this team. It's a little different for national media members uh, or fans just of football in general who aren't so consumed by 49ers football specifically. I think there's a little bit of, yeah, Brock Purdy was good last year, but look at the roster. I mean, you know, if, if again, if Purdy could do it, I think Sam Darnold could probably do it. But I, I think the reality, Evan, and, and you and I know this, I think the vast majority of our listeners know this, and most people out here know this, Brock Purdy was really freaking good last year. And it's it's not just as simple as saying anyone could go and do that. So I think there's a bit of a disconnect between the level of respect that Brock Purdy gets based on how often you watched him. And I also think there's a little bit of disrespect that gets thrown to Jimmy Garoppolo after the fact, as Brock Purdy has all this success, because I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, got the Niners to a Super Bowl and an NFC championship game, but in a rookie in his rookie year, Mr. Irrelevant also goes to an NFC championship game. Jimmy, like you should be doing more. This rookie made you look, you know, like a rookie, essentially. Like you, you were as good as a rookie. Um, so I think what Brock Purdy did ultimately pushes a lot of disrespect almost in, in different angles. And in this case, you're right. It almost kind of deflects back on himself because I'm not sure everyone out there fully realizes just how good he was. And I'm not saying that he was the number one reason why the 49ers made the NFC championship game. Of course they had a fantastic roster and the acquisition of McCaffrey was great. And, and that coincided with the winning streak. Um, But you also saw the difference when Josh Johnson was in there at quarterback and it was ugly. And again, I mean, that that's a off the street pickup once, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo went down midway through the season. But I do think you're right. I think this is a little bit of a slight towards Brock Purdy and it's just the nature of, of what happens when what he did last year happens because you don't expect it. It's a seventh round rookie. He does well. The natural assumption is, well, if he can do it, anyone can do it. But the reality is <laughs> that's, that's not the case. Well, and it's just interesting to me because Dan Orlovsky, I believe was really at the head of a discussion and breakdown about how good Brock Purdy was and the decision-making that was beyond his years in the first couple of weeks that Purdy was thrust into action. So it's surprising to hear me, sorry, for me to hear Orlovsky then talk about a quarterback that uh, quite first tape is, is not as good as Brock Purdy was, even though he played some good football down the stretch of last season. And, and I think your original point of a compliment to the, as well as the coaching staff is probably where that comes from. But you know, it's it, I look. I can only judge from Purdy and Garoppolo. It's kind of I, I think once McCaffrey came in, it was a completely different offense, yeah. and so it's hard for me to to judge the offense based on the one game and a monsoon and a quarter that Trey Lance played with with uh, that team. But I know that the numbers were pretty similar from Purdy to to Jimmy G or, or vice versa. But if you watched, and, and that's really all, all we can do, and I'm not saying that we have any more intimate knowledge. You know, we, we do this podcast, and we've had a chance to cover a couple of games and go to a couple of practices, but we're not in the locker room every single day. Neither, obviously, is, is Duran Orvlovsky. So we're judging things largely from the same prism. 
and it was completely different from Garoppolo to Purdy. Anyone with two eyes can see that. And so I just I just think it's interesting how I'm not saying he's backpedaling, but how the narrative has quickly changed. And maybe he doesn't believe that Purdy's injury is something that's going to be just ready to roll in week one or even in week four. So I'm just I don't really know where it's coming from. And it's hard for me, Mark, to kind of wrestle with the why. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of noise out there. I know we're going to get to another piece of noise here in just a little bit, but there's a lot of noise, Evan, around Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, the Niners obviously brought him in for a reason. Uh, He's been around, but he's still on the younger side. There's a lot of belief that he can continue to develop. This is the best situation he's ever been in. Uh, there's clearly a, a lot of confidence around him. And you're right. You really don't hear much talk about Brock Purdy. Um, I mean, of course, the reason why is, is he's injured. And once he gets healthy, then that will change. Uh, but I mean, even the other side of this, Evan, is Trey Lance. I don't remember the last time I heard someone uh, with the you know respect of Dan Orlovsky, with you know similar stature of Dan Orlovsky, say something like this about Trey Lance. The last time we probably heard it was maybe a little less than a year ago before he, you know, started in the regular season in that monsoon game in Chicago. After that, Evan, really everything about Trey Lance has been, I'm not so sure he can do it. Or based on how the 49ers have talked about him, it's been, it seems like Kyle Shanahan doesn't like this kid and he's made up his mind and is ready to move on. Like, that's how this conversation has evolved. And you hear these things about Sam Darnold while you hear almost nothing about Trey Lance. You hear almost nothing about Brock Purdy. I'm with you. It begs the question, why? What's going on? What What do the 49ers actually believe? Is the, the outside noise uh, at all similar? Or does that, I don't know, mirror how the 49ers feel inside their facilities. I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out when we get closer to the season and into off-season training camp and, and such. Um, but it is interesting that all the talk around the 49ers quarterback room seems to be around Sam Darnold. Yeah, and, and look, if the conversation is if Brock can do it, Sam can do it, or I should say if the roster is set and the <laughs> roster is as dominant as it looks, then Sam should be able to do it. Then my natural rebuttal would be, well, then why can't Trey do it? And maybe there's some very real reasons as to why I'm sure there are. And we're going to get into in just a moment, but, um, that that's the first place my mind goes because like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I think Trey Lance is going to be you know, Drew Brees or anything, but I also just wonder if, if, if Sam Darnold is, is collecting all this confidence and talent or, uh, confidence and, um, buy-in from both the local and, and national side, um, you know, simply put, why, why hasn't Trey? So that that's something that we can definitely uh, definitely keep an eye on. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 
This is the 415ers podcast. As always on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, that is Mark Grandy. I am Evan Giddings. Please download, rate, subscribe. Check it out on the Odyssey app as well as wherever you download your podcast from. We're coming at you twice a week in the offseason. Remember, you're hearing this on Tuesday. Our next episode will be on Friday this week when we dig into the schedule that will be revealed a little bit later on Thursday. So that's the reason for pushing it back a day. All right, well, let's get into the comments that I think actually are probably the reason why this was a conversation in the first place. And that is because... uh, Local 49ers beat writer and reporter for NBC Sports Bay Area, Matt Mayoko, uh, very well revered, renowned, uh, has been doing this for a long time, called Sam Darnold on a local show last Thursday, quote, the most talented throw of the football maybe the Niners have ever had. Now, I know that he clarified his statements in a column, I think the day after that, Mark, uh, but whereas... The eyebrows were raised for Orlovsky's comments. I almost ripped my eyebrows out when I heard this quote. And again, I defer to Matt Mayoko. The man has known what he's talking about for a very long time. I read everything and consume as much content as I can because he is in the know. Uh, But this was, this, (laughs) frankly put, I did not know where this came from. Me neither. I was shocked. I was dumbfounded. I wish I had like a recording of my face as I saw this tweet like on my profile <laughs> because I think my jaw literally hit the floor and not in like, a, oh, my God, I'm so excited way like in a, oh, my God, what the hell did I just read kind of way? Because this <laughs> is just utterly, utterly ridiculous. And again, nothing but respect for Matt Mayoko. You everything you said is is totally right. I mean, I grew up in the North Bay. Uh, in Sonoma County, he was a longtime beat reporter for the 49ers at the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Would wake up every morning in football season and, and throughout the entire year and read him in my local paper uh, about the 49ers. And he was like my go-to source for 49ers stuff for, for much of my childhood. So nothing but love for Matt Mayoko. But that is an absolutely wild statement for a franchise that has perhaps the best quarterback of all time. I know there's a lot of people out there that think that, but at worst, the second best quarterback of all time in Joe Montana, Steve Young, who had one of the best arms in football history. And there are even more recent quarterbacks who did not quite reach Hall of Fame levels who probably have a more talented arm than Sam Darnold. And I know there's a little bit perhaps of a disconnect in what Mayoko meant and how people are interpreting it. Like, you know, he has the best arm talent. He can throw the ball the fur. That's like he's the best quarterback. He can make all the throws on the field. Like these all mean slightly different things. So I think it's probably just a little bit lost in translation here. Um, but it 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 was an insane comment. And what gets me a little worried, Evan, I know it's something you and I talked a little bit off air. Mamayoko, you're right, is totally in the know. Uh, he kind of seems to be the 49ers preferred media member it seems like part of the reason why he's earned that he's been around the team and the franchise for a very long time but generally he is the guy who is i don't know i don't know if mouthpiece is the right word but he's the guy who oftentimes gets fed things the 49ers want out there and then he puts it out there i'm not saying that the 49ers are you know in any way telling Matt Mayoko to talk up Sam Darnold. But oftentimes he is the guy who puts things out to the public that the 49ers do not want to put out themselves, but they do want out there. 
And that's what has me a little bit worried. Do the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, do they actually believe that Sam Donald might be the most talented throw over the football in their franchise's history? That's not an important question. Maybe they feel that way, just that he's the most talented thrower of the football on their current roster. Even then, I'm a little worried because of everything we just talked about earlier. So this comment caught my eyes. I was dumbfounded, and then I got to thinking about it, and I'm a little bit worried about what it might mean about how the 49ers feel about Sam Darnold. I'd be more worried about what it means for how the 49ers feel about Trey Lance. Because, yeah, that too. Yeah. Like, if you're talking about... You know, talent like these are all the superlatives I feel like used for, you know, raw, physical, <laughs> um, relatively unproven talent. And, and look, a lot of it was based on the fact that Sam Darnold has not been in a position such as the 49ers to have continued success. He hasn't played with the weapons. He hasn't played with the defense. I get all that. But that same case can be made for a lot of quarterbacks and especially a lot of young quarterbacks. Sam Darnold around the age of 25. So if we're looking at guys from the first round that have been recently drafted, would you say Baker Mayfield would look better in this offense than he has in previous ones? Yes. Probably. Yeah. Uh, Josh Rosen, would he look better in the 49ers offense than the one that he was drafted to, in which he only lasted one year, by the way? Uh, Probably. I'm a little less confident in that one because he was even sure. worse than Baker Mayfield. That's fine. Okay, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, 2019 first-round class. Kyler Murray would probably look pretty good in this offense right yeah. now, especially given his talent in throwing the football. Uh, Daniel Jones, we didn't know that he was actually going to be a guy until about last year, but he's had a lot of talent surrounding him. Uh, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. But that's a guy that had a lot of talent surrounding his physical capabilities didn't really play in a great situation in Washington. 2020, the three dudes up top who now are all in good situations but are supreme talents. Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love might have been able to succeed should he not have been drafted to a place that he could not immediately play. 2021, Zach Wilson might look a lot better than he did with the New York Jets if he was drafted to the 49ers. And of course, we're going to leave Trey Lance alone because Justin Fields and Mac Jones were the guys taken after him. I think they might look better in this offense, especially with the defense, than they do in their own respective situations. So while I bow down to the majority of what Matt Mayoko says, in this situation, to me, it's something that applies to just about every quote-unquote talented quarterback that is taken at the top of the draft. And I know he was picked by Shanahan this offseason to come in and be the guy. And Mayoko also did note at the tail end of this, the wording made it clear that Darnold also might not be the most talented <laughs> thrower of the football the 49ers have ever had. But the statement was more about his physical gifts. So the fact that he walked back his own statement or needed to clarify it less than 24 after. 24 hours after giving it tells me that there's something more going on here. And we're not going to find out until probably training camp or even the preseason. Well, I mean, yeah, when you say something might be the case, uh, the other side is it might not be the case. I mean, that's what might means. Like we, we understand that Matt, uh, we appreciate that, but that's, that's the big J journalism <laughs> in him right there. But I mean, you are right. I mean, once this came out on Twitter and it just caught on like wildfire, um, he obviously there were a ton of people in his mentions, you know, adding him being like, oh, my God, what the hell are you talking about? He he felt the need to clarify a little bit. And you're right. He did it at the end of the original quote as well. And he did it 
on Twitter later, and he did it on a column he wrote for NBC Sports Bay Area as well. Um, so he obviously felt the need to backtrack a little bit, uh, which I, I think is is a good thing. And that maybe gives me a little bit of confidence, Evan, that, I don't know, the 49ers don't feel the same exact way as, as what Matt Mayoko said. Again, I, I do think the biggest thing here is it's probably a little bit of a disconnect. You're, you're right. When Matt Mayoko clarified, he said, oh, I meant mo- purely from like a, a physical traits standpoint. I didn't mean he's anywhere near the best quarterback that the 49ers have had ever or, or have currently. Um, but I mean, he's kind of your prototypical quarterback. I mean, he's taller than Brock Purdy. Um, he's not, you know, a statue in the pocket. He has some mobility. He has, you know, some impressive throws under his belt. I mean, I remember there was one game the year after the 49ers lost in the Super Bowl. So that was the 2020 regular season. The Niners played in New York against the Jets. I think it was week two. It was the week that Nick Bosa tore his ACL, if memory serves. They had those two games in New York at the Jets, at the Giants, on the MetLife turf. And it just absolutely destroyed the 49ers. And there was one play that I can remember that will stick in my memory for the rest of my life that Sam Darnold made. He was facing pressure. It might have been Nick Bosa chasing him down before he tore his ACL. And I think he rolled to the right, spun back out to the left. And for a right-hander, rolling left is difficult because to throw, you kind of have to contort your body and throw like the opposite of the momentum in which you're running. And he put it on the money to a crossing receiver with a man draped all over him. And it was one of the more impressive throws I've seen a quarterback make, not, not just Sam Donald, but any quarterback make against the 49ers in recent years. So the talent is there. He has shown it on occasion. It's just, you know, far more often than not. He's made terrible mistakes. So I think that's probably more what Matt Mayoko was getting at. We're probably all overreacting just a little bit, uh, but it is hard to to see and and hear a quote like that and not wonder what the hell is up because that definitely raised some eyebrows. It it did for me. Yeah, and look, I don't want to sit here and badmouth Sam Donald. I hope if he does get to start that he's successful because – we want the 49ers to be successful. And if he can get them back to the NFC championship game and is forced to, I hope he does. But I, I do think people are making a little more of his season last year in Carolina. And it was it was pretty good. It was solid, especially compared to what he had been prior to. But I think people are making more of it than it probably needs to be. Um, last game of the season, a must-win situation to try and get into the playoffs. Now, they did win the game. But he was 5-for-15 with two interceptions. Uh, The week before that, statistically his best performance in a loss to Tampa Bay, which, you know, ipso facto might have essentially mathematically bumped them from the playoff situation. Um, That was his best game. He threw for 340, had three touchdowns, and only one interception. Uh, The other side was he fumbled the ball a couple times. He coughed it up, and that may have also allowed Tom Brady to win that game and help the Buccaneers get in the playoffs. Like, I know that he was a solid quarterback last year for a team with not many weapons, but what I read from this and, and you, I, I don't think, I don't know if mouthpieces is necessarily fair, but he's definitely um, a, a voice for a lot of what the 49ers inside, I think feel because he's trusted. But when Mayoko says this about Sam Darnold, to me, it's a sign of don't be surprised. Look out. Hmm. If this guy is a starting quarterback week one, should Brock Purdy not be ready to go? Don't 
be shocked. That's more so what I read from his comments as opposed to the literal, he's the most talented thrower of the football, maybe uh, in franchise history. So that's kind of where, at least I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that's what I feel like he meant as opposed to the the hyperbole of whatever people are running with. That's fair. Uh, and I can tell you from experience talking about this 49ers quarterback room, I will not be surprised uh, because nothing <laughs> can possibly surprise yeah. me after the last, what, 16 months. That is fair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the only thing to expect <laughs> is the unexpected <laughs> and that is what we will continue to do uh, here on the 415ers podcast coming at you twice a week here in the off season three times a week during the regular season all of course you can find on the odyssey app we come to you via the odyssey sports podcast network please download rate subscribe wherever you get your podcast from that is mark randy i am evan giddings um the last bit of news that we had from this week was uh, John Lynch, who was on to discuss, you know, the draft and, of course, some of the decisions surrounding who they chose and the biggest name, or I should say the, um, you know, the the most uh, intriguing name that they took was Jake Moody, because I, I think you said it on our reaction pod, Mark, but this was what the the third kicker taken before the fourth round since 2006 or, or something like that. You know, not not a lot yeah. of them are, are taken. Yeah. And it was Jake Moody and uh, John Lynch spoke about the why. And it sounds like, at least from what he was told after the draft by some fellow executives, that they were thinking about moving up or some were even trying to trade up to select Jake Moody, that he felt vindication for selecting a kicker as early as he did. And um, I, I'm not sure what, what I make of it, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the floor. Well, I, I think as I kind of react more to the draft, and I think I said it a little bit in the last episode, I this pick makes more sense to me. The big caveat, of course, is he has to be good. Otherwise, it might go down as one of the worst picks in the Shanahan Lynch era. I know there are some other candidates, especially early, and that's a big you know, factor in, in one talking about draft pick busts or mistakes. Um, but the fact that kickers went quickly, relatively quickly, after the 49ers, uh, there's intel saying that other teams were planning on taking Jake Moody in the third, fourth round uh, area. Uh, there, as, as you know, we're talking about, as you mentioned, John Lynch saying there are, you know, teams trying to trade up ahead of the 49ers to, to take Jake Moody. I think all of that, when taken together and you consider the obvious need at the position, you consider the fact that he was far and away the most consistent most proven, best draftable kicker uh, in college football. Um, if you are going to take a kicker at this point, you need to be sure of a couple of things. That he's good. Um, that if you wait, you're not going to be able to get him. And that, you know, you're you're feeling a, a spot of need on your roster. And the Niners have clearly checked off two of those. Other teams wanted him and they needed him. Now we'll just wait and see on, on the third one, which is, is he going to be good at the NFL level? Um, so I think the further away we get from the draft now over a week away, this pick makes more sense to me. But ultimately, we're not going to know until the season starts. And this is a really tough position to kind of wait around for, Evan. You have other draft picks, you know, you know, Jair Brown, the safety they drafted out of Penn State. You put him in there 
on a second and seven play randomly in the second quarter of a week two game, and he gets beaten over the middle for a touchdown. Guess what? You can take Jair Brown out. Don't play him a defensive snap for the next month. You can do that. But what happens if Jake Moody misses the first two kicks of his career? You can't take him out for the next game. Like You have to trot him back out there. You don't have anyone behind. You're not carrying Zane Gonzalez on your active roster if Jake Moody is your starting quarterback. Like That's not how it works. It's so much more difficult to move away from a struggling kicker as it is to move away from a struggling position player. It just doesn't work the same because of roster constraints and because of how these teams build their active game day rosters. It doesn't work that way, but there's a ton of pressure to move away from a struggling kicker and the 49ers might not have a good option if that happens. So all that said, I understand the pick. The more I get away from it, it makes sense. But again, emphasis on making sure you're right, because if you're not, this doesn't look bad, not only from a drafting situation, but it could cost you wins and you might not have good options if it does go poorly. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, John Lynch referred to Jake Moody as a guy that, quote, has the makings of a cornerstone, foundational-type player for years to come. So uh, that is what they expect. And like you mentioned, Mark, he had damn well better be uh, because (laughs) you don't often get to swing, or most teams don't swing for a kicker this high, and uh, you, you better not miss. It seemed like he also kind of clarified maybe the reasoning behind taking him and um of course not that Robbie Gold was anything less than a superb kicker especially in the postseason the guy was nails and had ice in his veins but it it did appear that the Niners were looking for since Gold was looking to test the open market they were also looking to upgrade a kicker that could potentially hit some 55 plus yarders and Jake Moody as evident by the semifinal game against Northwestern, hit a 59-yarder. Uh, he can do it in big moments, and so that's a big part of, I think, why they wanted to reach or at least prevent other teams, it sounds like, from reaching to get this guy. Uh, so that hopefully will be a big part of the 49ers' kicking game. Uh, but really, I mean, look, he, uh, frankly, he's, he's got big shoes to fill. Uh, to, to fill. Like, Robbie Gold is a great great kicker and the 49ers have been lucky enough to have some really good ones in the past as well phil dawson david Akers, a lot of older kind of veteran guys and they haven't often chosen to go down the young you know we'll, we'll build them up type of uh kicking road and surrounding surrounded with a team that has also a lot of other veterans i can't imagine that mark to your point if he is unsuccessful early are also going to be okay with having a kicker that cannot perform at the level that's expected of him, especially when you just moved off a guy that hit what 90 plus percent of his postseason kicks. Uh, I don't think he ever missed a playoff kick, at least not with the 49ers. I'm, I'm sh- I, I'm pretty sure he's perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the risk is you're relying on a rookie. It doesn't matter what position they're at. You're relying on a rookie. And I, I talked about kind of the position constraints at kicker. It's a little more difficult to move off of a kicker, um, just the way that the, the, the NFL is. But you're right. That's the risk. The benefit for the 49ers is you're saving money at the position and you can use that money elsewhere. Um, and that's, I think, a big reason why. I mean, they were even considering doing something like this, I think, back in 2019 when they signed Robbie Gold to an extension. They were deciding, do we want to make Robbie Gold one of the highest paid kickers in the league 
and have a guy we can rely on? Or do we want to take a chance, take a risk on someone younger, hope he's as good or close to as good, and save money? That's the risk reward the 49ers are dealing with. This time they decided to take the risk and hopefully it pays off. Uh, One more thing before we do wrap up. Uh, Matt Barrows, who covers the 49ers for The Athletic and does a great job there as well, uh, he recently talked to Jim Harbaugh, of course, former 49ers coach and current Michigan head coach who coached Jake Moody uh, when he was a Wolverine. Uh, And what Matt Barrows said, I think, in a story that's coming out shortly, as you're listening now on Tuesday, it might be out. I don't think it's out right now on Monday evening. Uh, But what Harbaugh apparently said to Matt Barrows about Jake Moody is, quote, you can count on three things in life, death, taxes, and Jake Moody. Uh, So the 49ers probably got a glowing report about Moody from their former head coach, Jim Harbaugh. And and Niner fans certainly hope that Harbaugh's right about this one. Well, not just a former head coach, but I imagine that Harbaugh and Lynch probably have a pretty good relationship as former Stanford men. Uh, Harbaugh is the head coach, and then Lynch, of course, is an alum. Uh, My my only, (laughs) I think, I meant, I said this to you earlier, but, well, then how come, Jim, you chose to not (laughs) kick it on the opening possession when you went for it on fourth down, down inside the the 15-yard line against Northwestern? It might have helped you win the game. And said you took the ball out of the, out of the, the feet of your death taxes and Jake Moody-esque lock of a kicker. And instead, you turned it over on downs and gave Northwestern the ball back. So, oh, uh, I don't know t- if Kyle Shanahan will be doing the same. You mean TCU? TCU sorry, yeah, it was TCU. My bad. Well, yeah, I mean, TCU. you know, I think I said wa- Northwestern earlier too. My bad. If you want to beat the mighty Horned Frogs, Evan, field goals don't do it. You need tutties. So, I, I think that's where he was going. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're Georgia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Nope, that is very true, and that will wrap up this episode of the 415ers podcast. We'll be back again on Friday, so we're going to have a reaction episode to the schedule. We're also going to get into some of what the rest of the NFC West did in the draft, how they stack up, how the 49ers fared, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in. So please, again, download, rate, subscribe, check out the Odyssey app where you can download a bunch of great podcasts, including ours. And uh, that is Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll talk to you on Friday for our next episode of the 415ers podcast. Thanks for listening. 